This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Hello and welcome back to the e-commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled and Acadia Company. And today it's just me again, but I am talking once again about something much more e-commerce and marketplace related. If you caught my episode last week, it was a little bit of a reflection on some lessons learned in my career. Definitely a little off topic for this podcast, but I'd heard some interest from people to speak about that. But today, yes, back squarely in the zone of things that can help you wrap your head around very rapidly changing ecosystem around retail media. So a couple of weeks ago, I was fortunate to go and be a guest speaker at a forum for retail sales leaders from CPG brands. And these are brands that are selling to big box, big national retailers across the country and really wanting to understand more about retail media and how that sort of fits into their organization. What are the upsides to investing in retail media? And what does it even really literally look like? And I think that that is a really good place to start If you are a digital or e-commerce practitioner within a brand, it can be so helpful just to show more senior people, perhaps people on the sales side who are in this world a little bit less, just show them this is an ad. This is a retail ad. This is what it looks like when I'm shopping Kroger.com from my mobile device. And so I'm going to sort of recap some of the themes from that presentation that I gave. But what is going to be very obviously missed in a podcast conversation is the visual side of it. And that's, I think, very important. Just showing here is an Amazon DSP ad that I saw on Vox.com for a smart electrical plug. Or this is what an ad looks like on the Target app. This is what an ad looks like on the Walmart app, on the Kroger app. Because retail media is, unless you are actually the one doing grocery shopping in your household, you wouldn't necessarily understand that. And that is the situation I see a lot of leaders within brands in is, okay, there's the conceptual side of things, which is retail media is growing. It's one in, depending on the research firm providing the estimates, one in every 11 media dollars, one in every eight media dollars is being spent on retail media. There's the intellectual side of it. And then there is the, here's what an ad looks like. Can you see how this would work for our brand? Can you see how this sponsored brand video ad, we could do something like that, that talks about the legacy of the brand or the features or, you know, who we're really, what message we're really trying to tell here. So that is a piece that I'm not going to be able to share in this podcast episode, but something I really recommend you sit down and use as part of your internal advocacy and evangelism around retail media is get out your phone and take some screenshots, do some screen recordings and start a little bit of a swipe file of what you're seeing around the web and what you're seeing on your own shopping apps as well. So I'm going to rewind for a second and The way I started this conversation was talking about Thursday night football, which I am the least qualified person to talk about coming from Australia, knowing nothing about American football. But I do know 
that Amazon spending $11 billion on the rights to Thursday night football was a big deal. And why did they spend so much money? This kind of came out of left field for a lot of people. So there's three main reasons to me. One is driving more Prime memberships in the US. And some of the early press that came out about Thursday Night Football was that it in fact drove more new Prime membership signups than any Prime Day event in the past. So that's pretty significant because Amazon has been doing Prime Day since 2015. So seven years worth of Prime Days. And that is their big like membership drive every year. And so if they were able to get more signups than any Prime Day event, basically that was just one week. That's an incredible cut through. So Prime members spend more money on Amazon every year. Lots of different studies about this, but they spend more. You know, if you've got a $130 membership every year, you want to make the most of it. So that's the psychological effect there. So driving more Prime membership signups, great for Amazon. Second benefit to Amazon is expanding ad inventory and expanding fairly complex and expensive media inventory as well. So way beyond just sponsored product ads here, we are talking about full 30 second national TV media buys with Thursday Night Football. So Amazon can charge a lot more money for that ad inventory, a lot of viewership, longer ad placements. So this is good news for their sort of media growth aspirations. But thirdly, and what I think is potentially even more enticing for Amazon beyond Prime memberships, beyond expanding ad inventory and building a larger stream of ad revenue, is that it's a 1P data opportunity. What does that mean? So let's review what Amazon knows about me. And I'm saying me, but they know this about practically anyone that has ever shopped on Amazon. So they know my shopping history. So actual shopped items, frequency of purchases, items that I looked at but didn't buy, adjacent categories that I'm shopping, and brands that I follow, and many more data points. Let's just say I've been researching espresso machines on Amazon. Amazon will know which brands and products did I look at but I didn't buy. And if I am DeLonghi, for example, then knowing exactly which Amazon customers have been looking at espresso machines, but not purchasing any, or people who've been looking at Nespresso machines, but haven't bought it yet. That's a great high consideration audience for DeLonghi to be targeting. So that shopping history can be used very effectively by advertisers to put the right product or message in front of the shopper at the right time. They'll also know media that I consume. And this is where certainly Thursday Night Football comes into play, but Amazon also owns many other media channels. They own obviously Prime Video, Fire TV, FreeV, which was previously called INDB TV, <laughs> Twitch, and Amazon Music. So all Amazon-owned properties, there are probably some more that I missed, but those are the big ones. And then there's also third-party network that they are a part of where it's sites, websites like Vox and Forbes and other networks that you can build out and display audiences as well. So Amazon knows what type of TV do I like? Am I a football fan? Which team do I follow? They'll probably be able to tell from my football viewing habits there. 
I know just as a random example in DSP audience targeting, we can target by what film director do we want to build an audience around? So is my popcorn product really suitable for Steven Spielberg fans, for example? So media that I consume can be very helpful in building audiences too. And finally, I'm seeing a little bit more of this over time, but there's also information that I, as a shopper, volunteer to Amazon because I can see it might be helpful with what information they serve to me. So three examples here. One, my children. Amazon has a great baby registry program where expectant parents can create a baby registry. Obviously, like everything under the sun is available there. So they'll know for each family approximately when someone is going to welcome a new addition to their family. I think that you can even put in your child's name in that registry as well. So they know the household formation and possibly people's names as well, how old they are. Maybe there's indications that they can gather about gender as well. So that's one thing. Second is pets too, which is obviously a huge category and people spend a lot of money on their pets. They have asked me previously in the app, what is the name of my pet? And for a lot of people, why not? Why not tell Amazon the name of my pet? Because then I start seeing cool like custom information showing up about cats, which is the type of pet that I have. So they know my pets, they know my children. And then that's been around for a long time. But the more recent and interesting thing that I've seen is they've been asking about my hobbies and interests. And I was specifically served this tile on the Amazon app saying, tell us about your interests, manage your interests, I think it was. So I clicked through on that and I could from that, sort of like a landing page of things that people are interested in. And I was asked whether I was interested in categories like camping, hiking, fishing, baking. There were a few, but it was strange because it wasn't an exhaustive list. And I noticed a couple of categories which were noticeably absent, like fashion and beauty. And beauty is a huge category that Amazon's been doing very well in recently. So that was kind of surprising. Like there's all this beauty content that's being shared a lot of fashion content, a lot of home decorating content that I'm seeing that's being like shared and promoted on Amazon that was missing. But yeah, anyway, like an incomplete list of interests, let's just say, but I selected a few interests. I said, I'm interested in hike camping, I think. And then they asked me who is my favorite Marvel character, which was very curious. So I said, Spider-Man. And I'm interested to see what kind of content starts showing up for me on Amazon. But those are obviously very specific data points that advertisers can use as well with targeting customers who love Spider-Man, targeting customers who have indicated that they've got an interest in fishing or baking or whatever it is. So Amazon knows a lot about me and 100 million other households on the planet. And all of those data points can be used by brands to target very specific shopper profiles at specific points in time. And that is why Amazon's retail media program in particular is so interesting just because of the volume of data points that they have about every shopper and the platform that they have developed that's really very good at targeting people at specific points in time, retargeting them and things like that, that the platform itself is sophisticated enough to have a self-serve way of actually building those campaigns too, because the challenge that some of Amazon's big competitors have, and I'm going to be a bit more specific and say Walmart, 
is that they're also sitting on a huge treasure trove of data points, but it's not really that the engine to be able to reach those shoppers is not yet as sophisticated as Amazon. And so all of this to say Amazon's become a very attractive advertising solution and has shot up from practically a 0% market share to really being a serious challenger to the two biggest digital advertising platforms in the world, Google and Meta. So Amazon's in third place after those two who have both had a very much longer period of time to build up their advertising capabilities. So this is the point where I started to share what retail media actually looks like. And I started for this audience who were salespeople selling to Target, selling to Walmart, owning the trade media side of things, shopper marketing, things like that. Explaining that retail media is really a digital incarnation of shopper marketing. And so a lot of the things, a lot of the merchandising placements that we have available in store, in the aisle, on the shelf, things like end caps and point of purchase displays and things like that, there are digital equivalents for all of those. So it is basically taking traditional shopper marketing discipline and reimagining that in a digital context. So there are ways that we can build demand at the top of the funnel, at the start of the shopper journey. We can do more with advertising to help people compare products and make a decision, come back to them, remarket to them. And then at the point of purchase as well to, you know, when someone is searching for a very specific keyword with your brand in it, making sure that that shows up as a sponsored placement as well. This is sort of harder to explain in an audio-only version, but if you are a a digital or e-commerce professional, you'll understand what I'm saying here, showing side by side, here is an end cap in a store and here is a digital version of an end cap with a banner display on Amazon or a sponsored brand video or something like that. And then what do those digital equivalents look like? One thing that really got the attention of this group was a stat that I found which is 82% of Walmart shoppers use their smartphones while shopping for groceries. So I can see I do it myself. I go to a store trying to decide between two things. I pull out my phone and I search for product reviews or I try and find a little bit more information. And that could be the case in a high consideration purchase, like going to buy a new TV or something like that and the store associates are not around or they're not very helpful or knowledgeable Half the time they're pulling up information from their smartphones anyway. So making both high consideration and low consideration purchases, looking at product reviews, looking at product content from the brand, certainly something that I can see for myself as a shopper. And we also just published a case study at Bobsled about one of our clients, Barcel, who is the maker of the snack brand Takis, as well as some other Hispanic candy products. The aisle that their products were stocked at physical Walmart stores had changed recently. It had moved from the Hispanic and ethnic food aisle to the snack aisle. And so we were running ads on the Walmart app explaining for people who were searching for Takis that the products had moved within the stores to a different aisle. And that actually really helped their in-store sales for those products which had moved. Saw very clearly that people, when they're in the store, in a Walmart, that they are searching for the products that they're looking for. 
and using information from the app to actually make a purchase. And this is where I think we're starting to get into a little bit of murky territory. And one thing I really took away from spending some time with these sales leaders is how challenging it is for many organizations with their existing org structures, where it was very clear the sales team owns store relationships and trade marketing and the brand team owns brand marketing. And that's going to be on TV and things like that. The structure that many organizations have right now is suited to that world where you run a TV ad, you create some manufacturer coupons, you do some in-store merchandising, and it's very clear who owns what and what KPIs those different teams own. In the world of retail media, it's much murkier right now, at least, who should own what and what those KPIs should be. Because we're talking about, in many cases, singular platforms like Amazon, where it's conceivable and effective in many cases, we find, to be running brand consideration and performance ads all in the same place. And so do you then cut up that Amazon spend between those different stages and allocate the performance out to each existing team in the organization? That doesn't seem very practical This is a big challenge just in terms of org structure and who owns which KPIs right now, because a lot of these more traditional companies are really reckoning with this new world of digital media and where it sits in the company. There are a lot of retail media networks these days, and the number of retailers who are launching media networks seems to be growing pretty rapidly. And we can think back to 10 years ago, the number of retail media options was pretty small. And many of them were not self-serve. They were run by the retailer. So Target's Roundel, for example, Kroger's Media offering, that was all managed by the retailer. And so a brand would hand over a million dollars here's what we'd like our outcomes to be. And then it was up to the retailer to spend that budget. And the level of reporting that a brand got back was pretty variable, but often it's part of the vendor negotiations as well. So it's money that many brands just had to spend as a cost of doing business. But these days, what we're seeing is more retail media networks springing up, often run by companies like Critio or Citrusad. Because of those platforms, retailers are able to stand up their own media networks very quickly. They don't have to build everything from scratch anymore. So they can deploy these revenue producing departments very quickly. And I think the important thing here is also they can deploy retail media that is self-serve. So it's different to Roundel or Kroger's retail media where I had to go and find someone so I could spend my money. I could only do that if I had an account manager. These days with Amazon, with Walmart, with many of these ad platforms, really you can spend 80 cents a month if you want to. Like There's no minimum that you need to spend with a self-serve platform. And conceivably, you can do that yourself. You can do it with some ad tech software. You can do it with the help of a consultant or an agency like Bobsled. So that opens the door to a paradox of choice for many brands, which is we could be spending our media budget in these 
18 different channels that we already sell through or that stock our product how do we make that decision so this is unfortunately i don't have like an easy answer for anyone here i think that there are lots of questions that each brand needs to answer around which retailers should we invest in and how much how do we allocate spend across those retailers So a lot of thinking and a lot of work has been done on this topic, including by myself and my colleague, Matteo Bizon. We did a retail media allocation white paper earlier in 2022, putting forward a thesis that brands should be allocating media budgets, not by retailer and looking at the previous year's sales contribution and allocating by that, but instead looking at where do we want to be playing in the customer journey Are we trying to grow our category share and should be focusing on awareness campaigns? Or are we as an organization or at this brand level, are we really focused on maintaining a specific contribution margin and focused on profitability, in which case we want to be mostly playing more towards the bottom of the funnel and looking at which retailers have ad units that serve those stages of the purchase journey really well and allocating out that way at the stage of the funnel, not, okay, Amazon was 20% of our sales last year. We want to be buying all of the different ad types from Amazon, sponsored brand, sponsored product, DSP, figuring out their allocation there. When if your focus is on awareness, you don't want to be messing around with sponsored product ads. You want to be looking just at sponsored brand video and DSP. That's an oversimplification, but looking at the stage of the funnel rather than just by retailer, which is pretty limited and doesn't really give you a forward looking view either. So that was a quick overview of my current thinking about retail media networks. A lot of brands, particularly the more traditional national brands who have had a big history with physical retailers, these are the things that they're grappling with and lots of big questions and challenges and changes that need to occur for those companies in particular. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably a e-commerce or digital leader within a brand. And these are probably the same questions that you're trying to answer within your own company and doing your own sort of advocacy and evangelizing around retail media with some of these themes as well. So hopefully this has given you some things to think about, maybe some notes that you can share with your sales leaders, with your marketing leaders as points of conversation. And please do get in touch with me on LinkedIn or emailing me kmasters at acadia.io. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic, where you see the gaps, whether it's an education or an understanding question, because I think that in many cases, a lot of brands are really not ready for retail media just from a philosophical standpoint. They don't understand it. I do think that there is a big opportunity here for most brands. And we've only talked about endemic brands so far. We've only talked about brands that actually sell products on these retail marketplaces or to these retailers. We haven't spoken about cars, airlines, insurance companies, like all of the non-endemic brands that also should be considering retail media in their mix as well. So yeah, this is a huge topic, definitely not an easy one to unpack, not an easy one to give universal advice around. It's going to be a little bit different for everyone what that path forward looks like, but I would intend to spend a lot more time on this topic over the next 12 months and would love to hear what you think. 
Thank you for tuning in to the show and I'll catch you next week.